Welcome back to Classroom Chats with Crystal, where I help you define, refine, and further develop your teacher identity. If you haven't already done so, please join us in our Facebook community, Classroom Chats. And if you're currently a member, I want to encourage you to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, anywhere that you listen to the show. Um, please give me a couple of minutes by giving a quick review of how this podcast is helpful. Another thing that I like to do is to request your questions. If there are questions, trust me, I want to address them. If you have an idea for a show, let me know. If you'd like to be featured on the show, reach out to me as well. All right, our focus for today is going to be extending our influence past our classroom walls. We know that in this new time, we are presented with new challenges because we have some students working in our classrooms while other students are learning from their kitchen tables, their home offices, or their bedrooms. So communication is key in order to ensure that we are serving students um, to the best of our ability. So our guest on the show today He has taken the time to extend his classroom walls, and I think that he may give you a few ideas about how you can continue to do so. Our guest today is Anthony Cooper, who is the host teacher for Class with Mr. Cooper. The first part of this conversation just talks about digital tools that we can use to communicate with students, to reach out to students, and really to just garner their engagement in this time. In addition to that, We also talk a lot about cash grabbing, at least that's what I'm calling it, where he uses his platforms to secure funds for classroom projects. We all know that money, money, money is always a need. And we can't always get the money we need in order to be as uh, creative as we like in some situations. So the latter part of our conversation focuses on how to actually um, step beyond the fear of asking for money for classroom projects. And he gives us a little guidance as to how he did it himself. So please enjoy this conversation. Um, who is the host educator for Class with Mr. Cooper. Mr. Cooper, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. So I am um, an educator going into my third year of education. So thus far, I've had two years of experience in the classroom. Um, I have taught in the urban education setting. So Third Ward Houston is where I originally started out teaching. Um, And then I've also taught in the rural education um, setting, which was in Havana, Florida, so right outside of Tallahassee. Um, And now I'm actually going to be teaching in Tampa in more of an urban um, setting as I pursue my Master's in Ed Leadership. I am always interested in um, what brings younger educators um, into the field. Um, especially now with uh, such challenging times and with COVID and even with the profession in general, um, where we might not always have the brightest of recommendations. So what led you to education? 
So initially what led me to the field of education um, was my interest through Teach for America. So I got accepted um, about a year or so after leaving college and getting started um, in my career field. Originally I graduated with the environmental studies degree. Um, and so leaving, um, getting accepted by Teach for America, I then went to work in Houston, Texas. And during this time of me working in Houston, Texas, I really gained an understanding of why I was doing what I was doing and why it was so important for me to um, join and be in the field of education. And for me, that has been to give kids a uh, another um, image in front of them that they quite don't really truly see, as we see, especially in the field um, K through six, which is, you know, the grade levels I kind of work with, um, a black male teacher in front of them is not something they always see. It's not something that's common at the elementary level. Um, for me, that was important. Um, having a grandmother who um, did elementary education and um, some of her siblings and different things and seeing different generations of my family do it, it really kind of gave me a heart to want to do this work, as well mm -hmm. as seeing really the discourse um, that has taken place in this country and how important it is that we really try to build a generation of uh, kids who are going to go forth and make the world a better place um, because we have a lot going on right now and I think there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of ideas and leadership that we could use um, from a lot of young people um, who from me from what I've noticed especially with this generation um, coming through the pipelines has been that they are more aware of a lot of things than what we are aware of. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're more knowledgeable than ever before. Um, and even with my own generation, because I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of in their generation, <laughs> but um, <laughs> even with my own generation, kind of close to millennial, um, I feel that although we're aware, I feel like this generation coming through is extremely more aware of a lot of the things that are going on, um, the inequities that exist not only in education, but in the world just in general. So um, a lot of that in uh, a lot of really social justice factors played a role in me wanting to um, join up in the field of education. All right, excellent. You said something that really stood out to me is that our children are now more aware of the things that are happening in the world around them and even that they may be more knowledgeable to a certain extent. So the focus really of, um, you know, a little bit a focal point of our conversation, really, I want to focus on co communication mm -hmm. and different communication portals because our kids, just like you said, um, they are very knowledgeable. Um, and at times, the, the knowledge that they have um, isn't always um, shared, should I say, appropriately, like through the different platforms and uh social media tools and even the communication that they have with their parents or the information that they share. So as an educator, as you well know, it is very important for us to bring our parents in because they are our allies. Um, we do this together. And one thing that I would love to spend some time talking about is class with Mr. Cooper, because I know that you have really, as a younger educator, thought of different ways for you to ensure that the community and the parents are aware as well as your students are aware. So as a fairly new teacher, how do you navigate the different communication portals that we have, um, you know, that speaks to this awareness that kids have? Um, so I think for me, uh, especially starting out, um, 
in a charter school network, I was able to um, get a lot of training on different education platforms um, and how to use them. Because at my first school, we really were big on technology, technology, technology in the classroom. Um, and so kids automatically knew, you know, when we we're talking about certain programs, you know, this is how you use X, Y, Z program. You know, they knew how to, of course, some of the fundamentals even being down to typing and clicking on different things mm -hmm. um, that was really important. Um, for me, I really was able to see the difference between when you really educate kids on technology um, and the use of it and how to use it effectively in the classroom once I moved to more of a rural education setting where I had limited technology and I had to do more instruction on how to copy and paste, how to type into the computer, X, Y, and Z. Um, and so it was more of a balancing act for me. Um, for me, I have pretty much navigated and kind of circumvented that by creating, you know, documents and different things that give, give kids more of a streamlined process of doing work. Um, and so for instance, this past year, when I did science fair, um, I, it was completely online that kids did their reports. And we used a system at the time at Moto, which is a system kind of similar to Google Classroom, where students can go in and post their projects, they can do different assignments. And so I had divvied up the information for a science fair and all they had to do was go in and type in and submit versus normally, you know, you would have this huge paper trail of paper that the science teacher is in charge of going through and reading. Um, and so that has proven to be greatly effective. Um, that's something that also I have seen um, other programs like Ed Puzzle, which is another program that Absolutely. gives kids, yeah, gives kids quizzes and different things they can take based on videos and imagery that they've seen um, throughout a lesson. Um, and that's also something like even just using it from a basis of possibly when you do a um, flipped classroom model where half the kids may be on technology, the other half may be with you in uh, some type of project-based learning. Um, those kids who are on technology, they use Edpuzzle or kind of listen in to Edpuzzle as you may have already done a pre-recorded lesson. And therefore kids are now able to just kind of answer questions based on whatever it was that you might've put on the Edpuzzle for them. And you can track their progress throughout, you know, as they're doing it. Um, so kind of I've seen education um, or educational technology as a great use for allowing, especially with the class sizes that we have, um, from time to time, really kind of freeing up space for educators to do that small group work that's important for closing those gaps in um, achievement. Right, and I know you mentioned earlier that you work primarily in your K through six population. So you're mentioning these technology tools that kids are using. And just for a clarification point for those listeners who may not be familiar with the Puzzle, um, what Mr. Cooper was talking about uh, students usually have access to some type of content within Edpuzzle and it is chunked so that if it's a video um, that kids are watching, it stops at strategic points that the teacher plans for and kids at that point answer questions or complete certain tasks. How, how does this the technology, um, how is it working in the K through six population? How do you think our kids fare with um, the technology in its use? I think they fare pretty well, um, seeing as I live across the state and across the country and world, especially. Um, there are huge, you know, contracts made with educational technology, you know, companies to produce, you know, the content that's needed. Um, and quite myself, 
um, being new to my district here, I actually have a training that I'm going to be going through on even some more educational technology platforms that are used to really look at in real time what students are um, doing. Um, and one of the things that I found useful as well was a system my first year that we utilized um, where when you give a kid an exit ticket, you could actually just take a picture of the exit ticket right then and there you know, via Scantron, it grades it for you. And so now you know by the end of the day, like, okay, where do I need to possibly move seats for this child? Or what type of lean-in strategies might I need to use? Or maybe some aggressive monitoring might I need to use to actually get to this kid to, to really lift them up um, and close whatever gap in knowledge they may need. Um, so for me, and I, and I, think, um, I think saying this, I would be fairly correct that um, in the state of Texas, their use of educational technology um, has kind of been a leader um, throughout the country in terms of really pushing kids and getting kids to um, utilize educational technology as well as training teachers on it, how to use it, and really seeing that effective use of it in the classroom. Um, as we know, I think one of the major conferences that's had every year, I'm trying to remember the name of it, I can't right now, but one of the major conferences they have every year um, that's leading conference on education involves a lot of talking about, you know, what is Technology. next in ed tech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. ed tech. Absolutely. Because I know some people here in Orange County, we are, our elementary schools are moving toward or shifting into one-to-one -one, um, where every kid has access to a computer and they'll, you know, they'll integrate um, digital resources. So it's great just listening to you talk about how you use those tools in the, in the K through six environment. Talk to me a little bit about Class with Mr. Cooper. What, what is Class with Mr. Cooper? What was your vision behind it? And um, how do you how are you using that as a, a communication platform? So Class with Mr. Cooper, um, the main vision behind it was to really communicate how teachers um, and provide resources for teachers on um, science and um, funding science projects. That was the originally point was how we can fund these science experiments because as we know, science experiments cost a lot of, cost a lot of money. And Absolutely. oftentimes the schools, you know, just don't have it unfortunately due to funding. And so for me, um, it has been really showcasing things like donors choose. Um, donors mm -hmm. choose alone this year, I've received over a thousand dollars in classroom funding to actually support um, this year at the fifth grade level, I actually led kids through an experiment on um, dissecting, I think it was a cow's eye. I wouldn't have been able to do that with just, you know, if we didn't have the funding to do that because it costs so much for the lab kits and different things. And that automatically has exposed kids to now, you know, kids start thinking, oh, you know, science is really cool by having that type of hands-on experience that otherwise they wouldn't have had. Um, if not because of donors shoes. Um, also, during the pandemic, upon the start of the pandemic, I believe I applied for and received a grant from Amazon where um, it was a from Amazon where I utilized those funds to purchase equipment to where I could communicate with students as well as I purchased a book um, from a black author talking about black female scientists, literature that otherwise kids would not have read if it had not been for that funding. Um, I think I think for me, the platform has really, since I'm going to be moving into reading, um, teaching and reading this upcoming year, it's really for me morphing more into a platform of sharing resources on how to find funding. Um, and when you can't necessarily find funding, where to go and try and look or how can you possibly write a grant yourself to get some funding that may not 
necessarily be available to you on donor shoes or on teacher funded which is another website i haven't yet used but i'm looking at using this upcoming school year and even this upcoming school year now i think about it i received funding um on my uh donor shoes for reading um, professional development books to give me information on, you know, what are some strategies I can use in the classroom and what are some assignments I can already be thinking about. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had that had I not took the initiative and really applied for that donor shoes funding or created a donor shoes account where, you know, oftentimes a lot of people don't realize, but a main strategy for using donor shoes is to oftentimes put your project up maybe a few months ahead of time and then when you put up a few months ahead of time, if it's getting close to that end line, you don't necessarily have funding. A lot of times in my case, I've seen it, they will come through with some sort of funding or somebody anonymous, anonymously donates to the project. Um, and so really, again, back to class with Mr. Cooper, um, really utilizing that platform to um, expound upon how to really get those resources, whether it be financial or you know physical resources that teachers can use in the classroom so really just sharing my experience on what i've done to really do that as well as talking about ed tech because i really do enjoy talking about that as well oh fantastic and you know what um fun, we as we already know uh fundraising um as a classroom teacher is it's important but it's difficult and a lot of people shy away from it so do you just sharing your experiences and your successes as well as you know your trials um, is really helpful to other educators. Um, how can we how can we access that particular blog? Do you have a YouTube? Um, if educators want to get in touch with you um, just to you know read your materials or, or to ask you questions about how to fund their classroom, how to set up the blog in order to share different things. How can they find you, Mr. Cooper? Yeah, so I have um, Class with Mr. Cooper Instagram, so at Class with Mr. Cooper on Instagram. Um, and then I also have Class with Mr. Cooper on um, the Facebook page, so they can type in the Facebook Class with Mr. Cooper and it'll come right up. Um, I also have the actual blog itself, which is Class with Mr. Cooper dot wordpress.com so not fancy at the com just yet <laughs> but uh <laughs> classmrcooper.wordpress.com where i also share information um and i try to do it on a monthly basis um it gives my gives me um the room to you know have time to do it and share those resources as well as um on the website it does have like a contact page if um any teacher or anyone wants to reach out with questions they may have and i have been receiving on just my Instagram alone, on my teacher, as it's called it, Teachergram now, um, I actually <laughs> have been receiving feedback from teachers asking me questions about, you know, how to do X, Y, Z funding. And I even share on there information. Like I literally um, applied like this past summer before this pandemic happened. I, you know, have been out there applying. I said, well, I need to do something teacher related, you know, for the summer. I don't want to just, you know, have a part-time job that might not be totally related. So I was like, okay, let me get something, you know, together. I Google searched, okay, things to do te during teacher summer or paid for me, paid, <laughs> paid things to do for teacher summer. And I actually found a list of fellowships to apply to. And so prior to the pandemic, I had got accepted into the Embari Fellowship, which is a fellowship where science teachers and scientists get together in New York to discuss curriculum around marine science. So like, how can we take the data from scientists, like real data from marine scientists, and now change it into, you know, or kind of utilize it 
to kind of streamline a curriculum for students to understand at maybe the high school and even down to elementary school level. So those are just some things that I also, you know, share on there. So I share a lot of resources about finance um, in terms of, you know, getting funding in the classroom, how to get your get yourself fellowships, you know, that you may be funded through and just a whole bunch of different opportunities. All right, and what before we wrap up, what are some of the challenges you had getting started with this? Because you're a fairly new teacher and you jumped right in head first, you recognize the need, and now you have these these various um, resources and steps that you take in order to secure funding. And it sounds to me like you're gonna you're gonna continue to grow and flourish in this area. So what were some of the challenges as well as what are some uh, bits of advice you might give on getting started for using um, this platform to um, communicate with those individuals who are interested in donating to the classroom? Um, so I would say, um, just to, I guess, kind of break down the question a little bit for myself, I would say um, starting out my initial um, trial or obstacle I may have had was just really, I would say, self-doubt um, because as a new teacher you know you often think you may not be fully equipped to be able to actually go out and pursue these opportunities and quite to the contrary you are actually as I found out fairly equipped to apply to these opportunities and for me getting over that self-doubt you know meant sitting down starting my donor shoes account um, it meant not procrastinating on it because course as a teacher and just overall just life you know you have so many different things going on so I really had to sit myself down and really apply because you do have to you know type essays and different things that are required but um, once I got over that part and really just stuff got the first project out there I was extremely motivated to continue pushing forward and really doing what was necessary and that was you know that was about that was last year, fall, I think, was when I got my first project um, funded. Um, and uh, through me getting that project funded, I then, you know, went and had some other grants and things I applied to. So really for me, it just kind of became like almost, I, I think I might've turned it in my mind into like a scavenger hunt almost. You know, how much funding, <laughs> how much funding can I find to really provide these different experiences for kids? Um, and that to me, was also, you know, at the center of it all was what can I do to enrich the lives of kids through education? Mm -hmm. um, and that's what really stuck with me and that's what really has motivated me to this point. Okay, so I think your your major bit of advice is that um, you self avoid self-doubt. And if you have that self-doubt, just keep on moving anyhow. And um, just go moment by moment, project by project, right? Exactly. I, mm -hmm. I have a uh, saying where I don't, I'm not going to tell myself no when it comes to opportunities. Right? If there's an opportunity out there and it requires for me to apply, who am I to tell myself I am not good enough? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I take that even if I might have that, that bit of doubt back there. We're like, look, you're not qualified for that. Um, I'm going to let my credentials and my experiences, you know, speak for me. But I'm going to move forward and see what happens versus talking myself out of it. Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to, to fundraising and communicating with people about funding, that's difficult because a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about money, let alone asking people for money. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned more than one platform. You mentioned Amazon. I think you mentioned another one, um, like Teacher Fund or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. 
And then you're also talking about donors choose. And then you're using your um, your blog and your Instagram to really share this information. So job well done. We are Thank you. so <laughs> we are so very lucky to have you um, in the education field. Um, I may bring you back though to talk a little bit more about money, money, money for fundraising. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, because um, I, 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 I surely believe that you're going to continue to make strides. Uh, Mr. Cooper, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Absolutely. One thing is for sure, we are so happy that we spent time talking with Mr. Cooper about the many connections that we could make, especially those involving cash grabbing. He mentioned quite a few things that are important to remember. The first being are that kids are resilient and that through this difficult time and these shifts that we see, in some instances, this is just the norm in the classroom for the students and they are adapting oh so well. Secondly, when it comes to reaching out for connections regarding classroom funding and cash projects, the biggest source of hesitation is ourselves and the fear of you know talking about money asking for money and then stepping out putting forth your plan um, which it could be very much twofold uh, the fear could originate internally where we may think that we are not qualified to make such a request or that we would need to for lack of a better term follow through um, with the projects that we have so regardless of what that is, I want to encourage you to continue to make those connections with our students through various digital tools and really inviting our parents in through our digital spaces. And most importantly, if you are thinking about how you can fund classroom projects in a time where school districts are losing money in regard to this pandemic, then please visit Class with Mr. Cooper so that you can get a little bit more guidance on how to get started. As always, thank you for spending time with me here on Classroom Chats with Crystal.